Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain. So here's your question of the day. How do you 10X your organizational brain? How do you raise the collective intelligence and wisdom of the culture of your teams? And we are excited because back with us is Salim Ismail. We got so much great response from our first episode together when we're talking about exponential thinking. That was more about the individual. Now we're talking about 10xing the organization in terms of making it better and faster in this accelerated world. And so what is a exponential organization? You wrote like this international best-selling book on it. You lecture on it as executive director of Singularity University and on the board of XPRIZE. How would you define an exponential organization? So an exponential organization is the one that's growing minimum 10 times better, faster, cheaper than its competitors. So let's say somebody is watching this right now and they could be a founder, they could be a business owner, or they could be in a position where they're making decisions, the C-suite executive or in the management. Now this is actually applicable also for any part of an organization, they could affect this kind of change. Yeah, so the big challenge and the reason I wrote the book was it's one thing to analyze new startups and say, okay, here's a playbook for how to build an exponential organization. Coming from scratch, that's kind of an easier thing to do because you can take the latest thinking, you can create what's called a massive transformative purpose, you apply lean methodology once you've got a team, and then if you've got success, then Reed Hoffman's now got his blitzscaling capability to drive it forward. The bigger challenge, and actually the reason I wrote it was, how do you retrofit this in the legacy environments? Because most of us operate in some legacy environment, we certainly interface with legacy environments, whether it's old ways of doing education, government, we're interacting with old organizations all the time. And we have a massive problem today that the metabolism of our legacy environments is not operating as fast as the external world. And that tension is causing incredible cognitive stress in the world. Right, so if somebody could be sitting in a meeting and they don't want to offer up a new idea that they might have because they know it'll be maybe shut down. Yeah, it's really easy in any legacy organization to say no to an idea, right? Because everybody's incented the same way. And I tell this quick story of doing Yahoo and running Yahoo's incubator. One of the most kind of advanced companies in the world. You try and do something disruptive at the edit, all the antibodies attack you. And not because they're being bad, it's just that was what they're optimized for. All our organizations are optimized for efficiency and for predictability. We're trying to deliver the same product or service in 100 countries with standardized backend. And success came from that over the last 50, 70 years of business. But now you succeed with adaptability, flexibility, agility, speed. So people go, okay, great, let's have the new creative ideas, disruptive ideas. The minute you try it, you get this antibody response and you spend all of your time in the politics and nothing gets done. And so what we've spent a few years doing now, about five or six years, is solving that problem. So how do you reconcile that? So you have this visceral amygdala response and this immune system response if a foreign body tries to invade you, right? Well, we have the same brain in our organizations where a foreign body comes in and the immune system tries to reject it, right? And this is why Kodak could not invent the digital camera or certainly not propagate it, although it did invent it, in fact. It's why Ford can't push out Uber. It's why Marriott can't spin off Airbnb. 
These always come from outside. I'll give you a great quick story. Walmart 10 years ago realized they had to compete with Amazon, that this e-commerce thing was not a fad. So they set up a team in Bentonville and they go, okay, we have the best distribution inventory systems in the world. Let's go beat Amazon. Within 18 months, the immune system would kill that initiative because they said it'll never succeed. We should be optimizing for our own stores, all the existing executives for why are we doing this, this e-commerce thing. Everybody's optimized towards the physical stores. So they did it a second time. And the second time they put a team at the edge of the organization following John Hagel's thinking and do disruptive things at the edge. But still said, use our existing systems. We have the best in the world. We should leverage this asset. 18 months later, that was dead because the business found out and went and killed it. So they did it a third time where they put it separately and had made the amazingly courageous decision, do it independently, create your own independent distribution inventory logistics systems, even though we have the best in the world because we have to figure this out. So the team starts off, they start to succeed. The business gets excited, pulls it back in too early and kills it. And that's on iteration number four, they, they do it separately, independently, and then it, they only start stitching the back ends together once it's got enough critical mass and successful on its own. But in those four iterations, the eight years of opportunity, cost, money, churn, time, careers, Amazon's gone. And now you can't catch it. And so this is the challenge. We do not have the time in our legacy environments to stand around for a few years figuring it out while everybody else is moving like that. So you have to figure out fast. So we've been working on that. About three years ago, the global CIO for Procter & Gamble came to us and said, hey, we want to work with you. Book is required reading across the company, etc. Except that what we noticed with the big companies, it took about three years for a C-suite to fully wake up and smell the roses. Then after about three years of elapsed time, which we saw with about six or eight big companies like this, they're finally ready to go, okay, we need to make a change. But that three years time lapse is like existential threat today. You can't wait around for three years. So we were thinking about how do we solve this? And I said to Linda, who's the CIO at the time, let's try and crack this and do it in 10 weeks. Can we move your leadership culture management thinking three years ahead in a 10-week period? And we ran what we now call an EXO sprint. See, now that question is very fascinating to me because people don't ask those questions. Because when I think about exponential thinking in our last episode, part of what thinking is for me is defined as the process of asking and answering questions. Like Peter Thiel, you know, thinking about like, how do you reach your 10-year goal in six months? If right. you had to do it in six months, right. you can't go traditional. You can't, you can't go linear because you have to break out of the proverbial box, if you will. Yeah. The problem now is you have a Peter Thiel type of thinking or Peter Diamandis type of thinking or any of us in this world, and you come back into any kind of legacy environment and go, let's try to do this 10x better, faster, cheaper, whatever. And everybody goes, whoa, Nelly, we can't do that. We're structured this way. We're optimized for this. And you get this immune system response. Because there are also people are vested at a cultural level and they're incentivized and also they're vested in their own identity. Yeah. Now, in the past, we had generational change that would solve this problem, right? But today, it's happening within generations. Like for a 12-year-old, you know, Facebook is for old people, right? And so we're seeing this now happen even more quickly. And so as a species, as kind of the cutting edge of what we think is civilization, we have to up our game to operate in this new way. Technology is moving ahead at its pace. The tension with the legacy environments is so strong that it's breaking the world. Kevin Kelly wrote this book, What Technology Wants, and he articulates very clearly the technology is moving at its pace. We have to basically catch up. And so we really have to figure out how to move the metabolism of our legacy environments faster right. to keep up with this because pace. 
whoever's watching this and listening to right now, this progress is going to happen regardless, independent if we want it or not, it's It's going to happen. And so whether or not we're fearful about it or we embrace it and we lead it, it's going to happen with or without us. And these new technologies can't be regulated because they're too democratized. The European Central Bank has now gotten up and said, we cannot regulate cryptocurrencies. We're done. Just done. (laughs) We're like, wow. And so we're kind of at a breaking point where our traditional systems don't match. Yet if you try and update them, you get this immune system response. And that doesn't work either. So we've been trying to work on how do you solve that immune system problem. So what we did was the way we run this 10-week process is we do an opening workshop for the, all the key management of that organization. In this case, it was a 7,000-person division in Procter & Gamble. And we took the top 500 leaders. And we do kind of a five, six-hour workshop, very kind of shock and awe, singularity-style, freak them out. Then you leave them alone because they're useless anyway in the legacy environment. Then we take 20, 25 young leaders, future lieutenants of the business, and they do the 10-week exercise as a coaching model. And it takes about 30% of their time over the 10 weeks. And they divide into two streams. One stream is looking at what totally disruptive ideas can I create at the edge of the organization to blow it open. Nestle spinning off Nespresso would be a good analog, right? And the second stream looks at what would I do to upgrade the metabolism of the mothership. And they kind of do their work. They report back halfway through. We do have a feedback session. At the end, they pitch ideas for how they intend to do this. We pre-allocated money with senior management. If senior management likes the ideas, they fund the ideas. And we've found that because the young leaders are the ones doing it, they own the ideas and champion them heavily. Because you've run this freakout session, when the new ideas arrive, the mothership doesn't attack in the same way. Because you prime them. That's right. We've now done it a dozen times with blue chip companies, Procter & Gamble being one, but TD Ameritrade, Black & Decker, HP, Visa, et cetera. And what we've now done in the second book, Exponential Transformation, is open source the methodology. If we tried to own it, we'll never get to everybody. And my thesis is every one of the global 5,000 has to go through something like this, with or without us. Otherwise, they've got existential threats. Might as well open source it and make it widely available. Amazing. I'm curious where you think the future of education will, will lie everything's being disrupted. And so right now, a classroom is not limited to four walls. You know, children are growing up just swiping everything. They're growing up on joysticks and their smart devices. But now they can have access to the best education from Oxford University or anything on YouTube or some kind of stream. But what becomes the role of teachers? Yeah, so there's this notion that we'll lose all the teachers. And I disagree with that. And by the way, I have the same controversial viewpoint on Do we lose all the truck drivers? Do we lose all the thing? We found that that's not the case. This is the amygdala response saying, oh my God, I'll freak out. Oh, we'll lose all the jobs. I don't believe we're going to lose jobs at all. So for example, when we can measure this, say ATMs coming into the banking world, we thought we would lose all the bank tellers. But because the cost of running a branch dropped so dramatically, the banks just created a ton more branches. The number of bank tellers has not changed at all. And we just have a truckload more branches. Now, maybe we don't want all those, But more importantly, we've not changed that. Or areas where we can measure the factories in Germany, we've automated all the factories. There's almost nobody working on the factory floor in Germany because of robotics, et cetera. Yet employment has not dropped at all. In fact, it's increased because there's so much more work to be done in problem solving, increased efficiency, design thinking, et cetera. So when we look at education, I think what happens is you turn it from a push to a pull model. Right? John Hegel talks about this. Today, you get a bunch of kids into a classroom and you try and cram algebra into them. Right? Most of the time they're thinking about lunch, their brains aren't cognitively ready, they don't have the right nutrients, they haven't had the right amount of sleep, they're just not processing any of it. 
But when you do it in a different way and you say, hey, child, what's your MTP? What problem do you want to solve? The kid gets passionate about some area and then you say, great, go pull down the education you need to to solve that. We do this today adults. You take on a new job and you pull down the pieces that you need that you need to do the work in that particular environment, right? And so now you end up in this environment where people are pulling the information to them. The teacher becomes the guide and the mentor and the coach and not the content pusher. Right. They can facilitate. Facilitate. Now, there change requires a total change in the way, but all of us are successful because somebody took the time to mentor and guide and coach us at some critical points in our careers. And everybody remembers that one teacher or two teachers that took the time to give you a little bit of coaching. You don't remember the content pusher. So why don't they teach this in schools then? They teach you what to learn, like math, history, science, Spanish, right. or what to think, but they don't necessarily teach you how to learn or how to think. Immune system problem. Because our structures are set up to operate in that way, you try and update the structures, it takes forever. Because government structures and legacy policy thinking, etc. Because the immune system, because of special interests exactly. groups. and So in XPRIZE, where you're a board member, they're incentivized like the tricorder. Yep. And so can you tell about some of the... Yeah, so I'll give you two of the prizes. The most famous, of course, is the Ansari SpaceX Prize, $10 million dollars for the first plane that could go suborbital twice within two weeks. And now we have Virgin Galactic, SpaceX, and a whole crop of Planet Labs and others that are building a whole new crop of privatized space. And Peter is staggeringly, amazingly broken through and transformed an entire industry, an entire sector of space exploration. But now we have a whole bunch of X-Prizes. The Tricorder X-Prize was a handheld device, like literally the Star Trek Tricorder, and somebody would win when that device could outperform 10 board-certified doctors in diagnosis of one of 15 conditions. And 330 teams competed for that. The prize was essentially won two years ago. Amazing. And nobody in healthcare knows that, right? And we have the same thing. By the way, the amazing prize that was just won was the water extraction prize. So the prize was, can you extract 2,000 liters of water out of the atmosphere per day using renewable energy for less than two cents a liter. And that prize was just one. We just awarded that prize two months ago. So now we have a machine that when it's commercialized can be dropped into every village in the world, extract water as long as you have 25% more humidity, which is most of the world. You can extract 2,000 liters of water a day for two cents a liter. And if you can have clean water, you take out half of the disease burden in the world. What XPRIZE does, hacks our inner brain because we're so competitive as human beings, right? Socially competitive and so on. So we hack that to turn positive outcomes. And you're basically saying that the grand challenges of the world is not going to be solved by institutions, no, but by yeah. teams. By small teams that are incentivized. going for radical, crazy moonshot ideas or with a massive transformative purpose to keep them focused. And the reason why I'm bringing this up in this episode is because we're talking about transformation within teams, you know, exponential organizations and transformation. And it's interesting also because you have to be creative and the creativity is driven a lot by constraints, constraints with, you know, amount of time or amount of resources that you have, because once you have a constraint, it forces creativity, it forces concentration, it forces a level of commitment as opposed to the creative pursuits where there's no constraints, right? It could go infinitely long or you have infinite, you just no stopping Point. Right. And so the constraints are, if you can shrink it and put a very tight constraint and an information-based paradigm as the engine, then you shoot out of the gate unbelievably. Can I give you a little hack that everybody can take back? So Amazon realized that in any big company, it's really easy to say no to an idea. One to 20 people can say no, kills the idea. 
Yeah, so how do you overcome that? So they created a hack called the institutional yes. So if you come to me inside Amazon with an idea, my default answer has to be yes. I'm not allowed to say no. If I want to say no, I have to write a two-page thesis on why it's a bad idea and post it publicly on the internet. So they've created friction and embarrassment to saying no, meaning that more many ideas get tested and they succeed way more dramatically because all these ideas get pushed out and then you never know. Amazon Web Services was partially one of the results of this. Nothing to do with the core strategy, now one of the most successful products of all time because nobody could figure out how to say no to it. So everybody watching and listening can basically say, let's go back and create a rule that you can't say no. If you want to say no, you have to write a thesis on why you're saying no. I love that. I love that. We could just end on that. That's absolutely astonishing. Awesome. It's a game changer. So I would recommend everybody's watching this episode to pick up your latest book. We'll put links to both your books in the show notes, and then people could also find you on social media, and we'll find there. I challenge everybody to do this. I challenge everyone who's listening to this episode to take a screenshot of this episode and tag both of us there and share your big aha, meaning that I believe that we learn best when we share and we teach, that we don't learn based on just consuming information, just like we've talked about in this conversation. We learn through co-creating it. Thanks, Salim. No, great to be here. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our Quick Success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before. 
answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for a one hour uh, share, going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.